I saw Wonka. Oh, how was Wonka? It kicked ass. It was great. Hell it was yeah. It was Hell awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was so cute. Um, Timmy has the juice. I didn't think he had it in him. Hell like, honestly, yeah. I, I really thought that he would be too try-hard, too uh, cringe, not to use an overused word, but, like, he really now, sold it. If, yeah, if anyone could be ascribed as cringe, I think Timmy Chally uh, in Wonka, the, the idea of which implies cringe right what did you call him (laughs) timmy jelly that's a terrible terrible nickname timmy is good enough i think you don't need to abbreviate his last name too why is it too much of a challenge may for you did you watch anything this week i did not outside (laughs) of manhunter well thank god you watch manhunter because we're supposed to talk about it but you didn't you were supposed to watch uh I was supposed to watch I Father. Remember. I know. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, I Whatever. know. That was that was on the docket. It got a uh, got shuffled around to next week. <sighs> next week. Or this upcoming week, depending upon how you want to look at it. Well, you got to stop playing so many video games because you got to watch more movies. Because otherwise, you're not ever going <sighs> to be able to call yourself a true film bro. I think. I I don't think I am a film bro. I think I'm a, a video guy. Well. Yeah. The thing is, is that in this podcast description, which I'm going to read out here in a second, uh, I do describe you as aspiring, a, aspiring film, bro. film bro. So yeah, you better know. you know jot that down. Uh, this is We Want to Watch. Uh, my name's Lane. My name's Ricky. This is a podcast where we talk about movies that we want to watch, whether that's a movie we think we should see or that the other person should see uh, a recommendation, important movies that we want to talk about and learn why people talk about them. So I suggested this movie this week where we watched Manhunter from 1986. It is directed by Michael Mann, uh, based on the uh, original novel in the kind of Silence of the Lambs, whatever, uh, you know, Thomas Harris series, the first book, Red Dragon. I love this movie, so I was excited. This has been one on the Kino 101 with Ricky list for a long time, but we just never got around to it for some reason. Probably because I think this movie is very horny, but <laughs> uh, in a great way, though. So I'm, I'm excited for this to open up the possibility. There's a couple different routes we could take. I have, like, notes. Um, but I'm excited oh, because God. this is going to allow you many doors to do your favorite thing so far on this podcast, which is compare and contrast. Uh, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Both because of the heat comparison right same director but also the silence of the lambs comparison another movie that we've watched together so yeah had you heard of this movie before like i brought it up to you i had not no um, not at all that's kind of crazy not at all i really liked it though i'll say right off the bat yeah i i don't know when i first watched this movie um i think mm-hmm. i watched it for the first time about five years ago i want to say um i had known of it growing up just because of I was always into Silence of the Lambs, and I remember watching all of the sequels to the Silence of the Lambs, the ones that have Anthony Hopkins in them. So Hannibal and Red Dragon, which are bad. Um, But (laughs) I don't know if you've seen those, but probably not. Nope. But yeah, so I, but I, I knew of this, but I didn't ever watch it. And then when I did finally watch it a few years ago, I just, I was like blown away and like continue. It just grows in my esteem um, every Mm -hmm. time I watch it. So this is definitely like a, it's definitely a lane's frame uh, in the true meaning of the word. <laughs> but yeah, so you like this movie. Yeah, I thought it was great. So um, the, the main actor 
uh, William Graham. Will, yeah, William Peterson is the actor who you said looks like Orson Welles. Right. Gotta say, doesn't really got... look like Orson Welles. Thank especially, you, <laughs> especially when they were younger, right? Yeah, as I was watching it this time, I was like, "Ricky's fucking crazy." That was all I could think while I watched. I was like, "This is nuts." <laughs> yeah, I thought that for a decent half the film, but then I got too engrossed in it, right? Yeah. How was your experience? I really enjoyed it. So, like, I definitely enjoy, um, like, psychological thrillers, I guess, or like crime psychology thrillers i don't know how you would define like this movie in silence of the lamb but lamb. especially like the it's it's plural lambs bro there's multiple lambs oh. i mean it's just the one lamb she carries but you know they're all screaming uh, that's crazy well they're not screaming they're they're silent now they are anyway okay wow. <laughs> so you like procedurals yeah 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 and also <clears throat> i mean it may sound like weird but this movie was almost like a comfort movie to me um yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, like, seeing Gil Grisham, uh, like, go through and, like, do his thing when he was younger, very cool. Like, getting into the mind of a killer. Because they sort of do that in CSI. It's, like, this oh, sort yeah. of toned-down degree. CSI is totally indebted to so this movie. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it, it seems like they took, like, the best aspects out of, like, many CSI episodes and then just condensed and distilled it down to... It's like pure raw essence, uh, and that was this movie, which was really great. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Nice, yeah. See, I've never seen like, or I've I've seen CSI and like Law and Order. I don't really watch. Mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of TV in general, but I really don't watch like those types of shows regularly. And mm-hmm. so, when you invoked this and you were like, you know, the guy from CSI, I was like, oh, like that man had a whole career before then. <laughs> And he did yeah. play a lot. He played a lot of cops. I mean, he kind of looks like a cop, yeah, but like a like he a does, weird cop. Yeah. So, what's his persona like on CSI? Um, it's it's essentially William Graham if he never got out of the game, right? Oh, that's uh, scary for that man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of think that like reprising that sort of role for him was, I mean, maybe not comforting, uh, but like. I mean, it was something that he knew, obviously. It was something that he knew he could play well. He always was the sort of... So, like, on their team, he was sort of like the father... He played the fatherly role most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which made it weird whenever there were any romances. And maybe that was just the way that I saw it, because, like, I watched CSI growing up. Um, <laughs> I, I, as, especially as I get, like... As it got later on in the series, and I think they even replaced him, like, in season seven or eight? I don't know. I, I remember pretty vividly up, up through season six... Which one of the characters gets like buried underground by a psychopath? Um, Woof. And yeah, and our boy uh, William Peterson comes in and like gets to like save him, and he's like, he's like, you're okay now, you're okay. And it, it was essentially like the the spoilers. ending of this, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the ending of this movie. And, like he, he he did almost exactly the same thing where he's like, it's like it's fine, like I'm here now. Um, yeah, he so, has like, like a a very like wounded, vibes. like wounded dad. Like, he gives yeah. wounded dad energy really well. I don't think he's a, a particularly, like, attractive guy, I guess, in this movie or in general. But, like, yeah, he does have, like, a, yeah, like, a very, like, I'm on the edge or I've been I've been past the edge for so long that I can just cope with whatever. And I can see how that would, yeah, bring him back over and over again to play different cops. Because he has played yeah. cops in a lot of stuff. So that's interesting. He looks like someone that does it well, right? Like. Oh, for sure. He's got, like, the, the I, face. I love his performances. Yeah. yeah. 
And really, the middle section of this movie, I think this movie's good, like a, a banger from start to finish, but the middle section mm-hmm. where, like that whole little short scene, or not short even, but that kind of part where they're doing all the forensics, like back to back, like they're going like physical yeah. evidence, like they're they're trying to like smoke out the ink, they're trying to like all of that stuff, they're doing the code breaking, like all of that is the like originator of those procedural shows, right? Like, I mean, that's just like, and not just the way that they, like the topics that they're covering or like the acts that they're doing, but the specific like editing style and the way that they're talking to each other. It's really, yeah, it's, I feel like it's the blueprint for those types of shows. For sure. And I mean, some of my favorite parts of CSI were like seeing guys like in like the red tinted room, you know, and they're like, they're picking up like a piece of evidence, whatever it may be, you know, toilet paper in this case. And they're just like looking at it really intensely it's cool it's really cool yeah and the guy holds it up that it's it's maybe one of if not the most badass moment in the movie actually is when he holds it up and he's like you're so sly but so am i and it's just like yeah get him (laughs) the one time it's okay to root for cops (laughs) it's this movie right well these guys are chasing like like real bad guys right yeah yeah like these are like they're not like he's fbi right you know like come on he's a step above yeah yeah, it's just funny that it's like, okay, the propaganda starts with like serial killer hunting and like mind hunting or whatever. And then now it's like trickled mm-hmm. down to like cops, the TV show where it's just like violence against like regular people on the street, basically, or like drug yeah. users. It's just embarrassing. But yeah, I, I also grew up watching cops. I was like a big cop kid, I guess. Uh, not that I like knew it. But yeah, I would like watch cops just because I love the intro song bad boy bad boy what you gonna do what you gonna do when they come for you i'm glad i've got new outro music for this episode <laughs> yeah right you're welcome ncis oh all of them <laughs> it is hard it's in the trenches <laughs> it is hard to sometimes watch movies like this where it is it is propaganda or like tv shows as mm-hmm. an adult you know because you're like mm, this isn't what they're doing but right. <laughs> it's so satisfying when you do see, you know, just like these vectors of good actually acting the way that they're supposed to. Right. So I'll, I'll say uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like prime time I was propaganda. Say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is like the furthest removed from what actual like New York beat cops are like. Yeah. So where do we want to start with this? Um, uh, I... I would actually kind of like to start on the different portrayals of Hannibal Lecter between this and Silence of the Lambs. Okay. okay. Cool. Wait, have you also, before just th- throwing a third one into the mix, have you seen Hannibal the TV show? Uh, no, but I've seen like clips from it. So I, I kind of get the gist of like what they're going for with that Hannibal. Yeah. You, I think you would like that show. I'll say. I, it's mm. It's very violent, but it's cartoonish, but it's not. It's, it's stylized to a very particular end, all of the violence right. in it. And it's, a, it's, a, it's far and away the definitive portrayal of that character, just because obviously a TV show is going to be able to go into psychology and like a character more than a movie can. For sure. So it's, it's interesting in comparison because, yeah, the Lecter in this movie is like so funny to watch in comparison to those other two depictions because you and I when we watched Silence of the Lambs we were like is Anthony Hopkins like the most like his portrayal of Hannibal the most iconic anything ever like the most iconic character of all time that that is Hannibal to me in my mind 
right? Yeah, um, it's hard not to. So seeing him here was like a jump scare almost. I didn't know I didn't know Hannibal Lecter was going to be in this movie. Um, oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I wanted, and I wanted this blind. He's so stripped down and like menacing, but uh, mundane in a way where like I'm never thinking like uh, Hopkins Lecter or Mods Mickelson's. Lecter are like far from violence whereas this guy like he's so contained that it seems yeah he's like icy and like nothing going on behind behind the eyes whereas those other two are very like not emotional but they have emotion or like emotional intelligence maybe Um, whereas Mm -hmm. this one just has like he's just like a a fucking scientist like poking and prodding it at Graham underneath the microscope he's like yeah when he starts like prodding at him in the scene where they he first interviews him and he's, yeah, he's just like, you want to leave me your home phone number? You're like, run away. <laughs> Do not talk to this man. <laughs> it's kind of a meme, like, oh, this is the first realistic depiction of a panic attack. Um, yeah. That, that's like, I don't know, I've seen on film Twitter a couple of times. And this movie had the first depiction of a realistic panic attack. Yeah, uh, where it's when, like, it gets all like blurry. And he's like, yeah, spir- yeah. like the, the spiraling, like it's so heavy handed in a way, like the spiraling down a staircase, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it works though. Cause it's, it's like, it's, it's not for like sure. immediate and even, even like running to get that sort of like, like frantic energy out. Like it doesn't help. Right. You're still sort of like, right. you're wired and he doesn't even like, you get like this sort of like hand cam footage where he's like running out past the guards. Um, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, like I just got to get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I don't know where I'm going. I just have to get somewhere. I got to be outside. I got to breathe. Like, Name three things I can see. Name five things I can touch. Like, get me <laughs> out of here. Yeah. I mean, I really like that scene. I will say I thought that early Hannibal in this was pretty good. And then as it went on, like, he, I mean, I get I, I, I get that he really does take, like, sort of a backseat role. Like, he's not prominent in this film. But he uh, he just kind of stops doing anything, right? Like, like they find the, uh, the, uh, the, like, note in his cell. Like, that's it. That's his role in this. Yeah. Like, even even the conversation that he has with him later on in the film doesn't really... Like, you can tell that he's trying to, like, poke and prod at him, but I, I guess without that sort of, like, feedback of the person in front of him, it doesn't work as well, because he can't tell, like, how he's getting to him. But he, he goes on oh. like, that weird tirade about, like, oh, God. Earthquakes. People all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually really fun. Yeah, because he gives Graham the, like, quote that's like, when we do as God does enough times, we'll become as God is. And mm-hmm. he gives him, he says that, and then Graham is, like, kind of, like, you hear Lecter fade out in the background. And he's like, yeah, there was a church fell on some people the other day, and <laughs> yeah. there was also an earthquake. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> this man he's is just like naming numbers yeah he's, yeah he's like yeah 200 <laughs> in an earthquake italy check it out it's like what <laughs> yeah. like is that intimidating is this an intimidation tactic see that's why i think it's it's more it's like he can't help himself in a way uh because he's more detached this lector versus like hopkins lector would never say like he wouldn't go on those kinds of rants just because he i mean he mentions people dying or whatever but he wouldn't be like mundanely again like kind of just narrating facts or like um reciting newspaper headlines that he read because that's not right you know that doesn't have a means to an end in the same way that this lector is like he's just kind of caught up in his own psychology i guess in a way it's 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 interesting yeah 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 Yeah. he's really scary very different portrayals yeah i think he's scary he has like a certain um like presence on screen even 
it's it's sort of like joker-esque at times right because like i guess the way that uh sent the message was like interesting um like makes sense for like hannibal lecter as a character he never no one ever says anything about him being a cannibal in this movie to my knowledge when Graham is describing yeah. to his son what happened, he just says, like, oh, he was attacking college girls in, like, like awful ways. Yeah. Like, it's so pulpy. I, I think that he, I mean, I think they mentioned that he's cannibalistic maybe in passing, but just, like, making it, I don't think he just specifically attacks college girls, like, in the novel. So it's just, it's, it's a very, like, interesting kind of pulpy or, like, kind of lurid way of framing it without even going too violent in a way, you know? I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I didn't really pick up on that, but now that you mention it, I don't recall them ever really saying that he was a cannibal. Right. Um, which is, like, it's definitely an interesting choice, especially because the other two portrayals of Hannibal in, like, the, the cultural consciousness... Are I guess so the cannibal. TV show came much later. But, yeah, they're yeah. so cannibal-based. It's, like, very heavy on the, like, this guy will, like, bite your neck. Yeah. Vampire style. Yeah. And I, I, I guess that also sort of leads to the sort of differences between, like, the, the cold, calculating sort of, like, he almost has that, like, dead fish look in this movie in a lot of, a lot of scenes where he's, like, like, what he's, it's, oh, how do they describe the eyes of the shark in Jaws? It's like a doll's eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, cold, lifeless. And it's like, it's like what he's doing is, like, like a machine almost. Um, and the way that he puts on, like, different affectations in order to like get through the operator and uh like get the information that he wants is like very interesting versus in like silence of the lambs where it's like okay this guy's like a rabid fucking animal um and like sure he can turn the charm on but like he's, he's gonna like rip your fucking throat out like right this guy's an animal um yeah it, it which is it's a very sort of raw energy um which i feel like maybe wasn't lacking in this movie because they definitely feel like it was an artistic choice to portray him differently. Yeah. Um, I, I guess so. to him being caged is scarier. He's not mm -hmm. as scary when he's running around and you have to contrast him with dollar Hyde with the tooth fairy who is so, he is also kind of reserved in a way. Obviously he's more violent mm -hmm. on screen, but he has more of like a sexuality, I guess, to him than Lecter does. Um, like Lecter is doing it because he's like fascinated from like a scientific or like, yeah, like a calculating aspect. Whereas Dollarhide, it's like all about the experience. Um, and yeah. so I, I guess that could be a part of the reason is like remove the lurid or like the really sensationalistic details from the Lecter thing. It's also just like it's the 80s and this was a pulpy movie, you know, a stylized, you know, so it could just be. There's only so much room in here to focus on certain things. And obviously they didn't know Silence of the Lambs wasn't even a book when this came out. So it's like they didn't know what they really oh. had with Lecter. Yeah. Yeah. Lecter is just a vector for, not to rhyme, um, for Graham to be, you know, comparing himself and empathizing with serial killers and which the show goes into in really interesting detail. You know, Hannibal isn't like the main, he's the main mastermind villain in a lot of ways, but it's not like he's just spending, you know, Graham in the in the show isn't just spending time, you know, hunting Hannibal. Like, he's doing other stuff when Hannibal's, like, in his life. So it's really interesting um, in that way. Yeah. So I actually, I thought that this came out at about the same time as Silence of the Lambs. Um, no, no. Knowing that it came out before definitely adds, like, a really interesting sort of view on it. It definitely makes more sense with how they portrayed Hannibal. Yeah. 
Yeah, this movie came out in 86, and then Lambs came out, I think, 93. So, um, and then the book didn't come out until a couple years after this movie. And this movie did shitty, like, people thought this movie was hot garbage when it came out. Um, <laughs> which is so funny. Um, but yeah, people thought it was, like, just all, you know, music video editing and, like, kind of gross and kind of like the thing, really stylized uh, and nasty, but not actually having anything going on under the surface, which is crazy to me because this movie's so full of just capital T themes yeah they're definitely different characters or different portrayals um but I think that's to the benefit of this movie because truly you need somebody to contrast with like again the sensuality or like the uh, or viscerality of what the tooth fairy is doing yeah it's almost sort of so we can we can sort of transition over to talk about the tooth fairy it's very odd to me how he sort of separates his like like there's a there's a very sexual nature in his killings right um and he's doing it for gratification so that he can like feel loved yada yada but then when he's with someone that like is accepting of him and does love him he's like sort of rejecting of that reality almost right like he doesn't even really like touch her um i i don't know I would watch a whole movie of their relationship. Like I kind I I love the Will Graham stuff. I like the Lecter stuff in this movie. Like I get the that's the story, but their relationship is so fucking interesting to me. I can't explain it. Like the way um yeah, like he spends the whole movie like trying to right all of his killings are like He's trying to transform and he's becoming subsumed in what he sees. Uh, and that's what he's trying mm-hmm. to do so that he can like live vicariously through like this almost like dissociative like act that he's doing with these families so that then he can kind of relive it in his mind. Not again, not the experience so much, but the, the, the sight of it is what's like transformative to him. Like this movie's all about how like human connection is about seeing, but seeing is more than just like the literal like voyeuristic ability to see with your eyeballs like he breaks the mirrors and he like makes the audience or his his audience his captive audience see him but then like he meets um you know joan allen's character he meets um gosh i can't i can't remember ruby reba and then she like blows him away i like it's like he can't even begin to fathom to be able to see or connect without like seeing with your eyes like he even says in the scene where he is torturing the journalist Freddie Lowndes. He's like, "Do you see? Do you see?" Which is so fucking horrifying. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he like he watches this, the scene with the tiger, which is like, so hot. I can't. I like I. <laughs> yeah, that was the sens- as as soon as it started. I was like, "Oh, this is the the central scene." Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like he he can't understand that she's able to like connect to this thing and like have this emotional like transformative moment of her own without being able to mm-hmm. literally see. Uh, and so he's having like this like like practically like this orgasmic moment where he's connecting with his other senses for basically like the first time. And the same with her. Like he they mm-hmm. they, they then go back to his place, um, which. Thank God she's blind, not only, like, so she can't see it all, but his house is fucking horrifying. But yeah, so, like, this movie just being about, like, these two kind of, not weirdos, but they're kind of both weird. I mean, she's kind of weird. You know, the things she says are so, like, direct and aggressive, and you can tell that he's just been living in the shadows, waiting for moments to strike with families. And so, like, she kind of calls him out on it, and it's just... 
like these two she likes that though she does how direct he is yeah 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 and and so just watching them interact is so fascinating and yeah the the Mm -hmm. like the the soundtrack and like their little bits of their scenes at his house are just yeah they like yeah shake the fucking foundation of this movie i don't know it's incredible so so let's go back to the tiger scene i'll i'll say that hell yeah um i don't i don't even know how much he's getting in touch with his other senses there right for me at least my reading of it was uh even during that entire thing and the the guy who's like helping her or like Mm -hmm, guiding her experience with the tiger Yeah. yeah really really handsy and sort of odd with it um but he says something like along the lines of oh don't mind i forget what his name was um don't mind the tooth uh fairy killer like he's just watching right um or, or like don't you like don't feel weird because he's watching something like that right yeah and like why and would she right, right 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 like she she doesn't feel self assumedly she doesn't feel self-conscious about that like she doesn't care yeah it doesn't really like uh occur to her too it's it's the fact that they frame it like that like oh like don't feel weird about him he's just here to watch and that's sort of like the role that he takes in all of his sort of relationships it feels like or or at least the ones where he feels passion right it's like oh don't mind me i'm just watching and and then i mean later when they're at their house and or when they're at his house uh with the literal most interesting art i've like ever seen his house is unhinged just with like the hodgepodge of shit going on it's fucking incredible Uh, it's such a good (laughs) like it's awful like i would never go in a house like that but also (laughs) it's so cool (laughs) how does he afford that shit like he he works at like a like a photo store print copy yeah obviously he's Um, just printing um you know full-scale replicas of mars in his spare time (laughs) yeah but like a I mean, he's got a big ass house. It's right on the lake, right? Like he's got a it nice. It was the eighties. There's some. There's some nice probably, stuff in there too. True. He was probably an investment banker or something before this. That's how he how, well, how he made his money. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. Like his, he is so. That's again. That's why their relationship when they meet, they kind of have this explosive like un, uniting because he is only used to being voyeuristic. He he can't. Mm. He's never explored outside of that. And, like, I don't think this is a sexy character or anything. Like, I don't want anyone to fucking think I'm a freak. But just, like, the way that they interact. If anyone doesn't think I'm a freak from last episode. Oh, I guess I bleeped all the freaky shit. Um, (laughs) Christopher texted me after he watched it. He was like, God, I'm glad Orson Welles isn't still alive. (laughs) Um, But, no. So the, the, the two of them just, yeah, hit, like his turmoil again just separate even from the killings of just like yeah meeting this woman who operates in such a different way than he does and the the sensuality that kind of arises out of them both like they're having this like the music is so like uh in the in the tiger scene specifically which i'm fine to talk about for the remainder of this podcast if you want but like (laughs) the music is so like it's like this low like flute sound or like this woodwind and it's like kind of like not slimy isn't a like it's very like i am just coming out of the mud of like the primordial ooze like mm. <laughs> like kind of like the, the Amazon primal river mud yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's just it's like this scene of like birth between them or like this scene of of yeah like new passion it's 
it's so hot. I can't, yeah, it's really, really cool. And just obviously like the, the act of being able to touch a tiger like that is so exciting too. Not like erotically, but just yeah. like the whole scene is just Very so raw, on edge. Yeah. 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 I will say as he's, as he's sort of, uh, like later at their house when, when she's like kissing him and he has, he's like watching oh yeah the movie victims <gasps> it's a very masturbatory act right oh yeah uh, he's basically yeah he like looks up, it's actually pretty funny when he like is looking at the like the the boobs on screen and then he like looks over to <laughs> to reba and yeah. she's like got her shirt all the way buttoned up and it's like <laughs> you can't see it. it's kind of funny um but he's it's, still like into it you know it's it's interesting it, yeah but he also like doesn't make a move at all like like she's like sitting there she's like Oh, no, he's like, just into watching. This was like a really great time. Like this was a really great. Oh, I guess yeah. You know what? He is just into watch. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He want to watch. Um, that's all. You know. Um. Yeah, he want to watch. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it, folks. Yeah. That was, that's the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I I think the psychology between these two characters is just so interesting. I think Dollar Hyde is actually a more interesting villain than Buffalo Bill in. Silence of the yeah. Lambs. Now that's a character kind of hasn't aged well in certain ways with like the transgender nature and, and stuff of it. Um, sure. But also I just think both of these villains, both of these serial killers are transforming, but the way that Dollar Hyde is like transforming for his victims is way more interesting, I think, than Buffalo Bill. And of course, I mean, yeah. Silence of the Lambs is a better movie, but yeah, I, I, I would love to, like if I could have my choice of like expanded secondary characters from the the Hannibal universe (laughs) I think it would be these two um because yeah he's just he's so the way he interacts with Freddie Lowndes the journalist the tabloid guy when he brings him back that I think is actually probably like Silence of the Lambs is scarier on the whole but that scene is probably the single scariest scene across those two movies uh where he's sitting there like pantyhose pulled over his fucking head He's got his hands yeah. outstretched and like he's got these enormous fucking mitts that look he looks like slender man like standing there. He's got the hugest teeth you've ever seen in your life and then he's just like you owe me all. Like it's it's so scary cuz you know this guy is all the way off his rocker. Whereas Buffalo Bill is like a yeah. little bit more understandable whereas this guy's psychology is so much more like unknowable and weird. It's alien. Um, yeah, yeah an alien. Mars. He's yeah. Mars. yeah, it fucking is. It's crazy. Um, and the way that, I mean, you hear it, I think Stephen Lang, who plays uh, Freddie Lowndes, like, he does a really good job of, like, descending into terror uh, in that scene of, mm-hmm. like, yeah, just, like, as he's reciting and, and kind of showing these pictures, like, do you see? Do you see on the projector? And, yeah, and he he's just so so frightened, like, and he, you can just hear it in his voice. It's a it's a really powerful scene, I think. Yeah, it's almost like complacent terror too. Like he's given the script to read. Yeah, and like he reads it out, uh, and he's like he's very like sort of choppy with it. But he like he's doing what he's told. Versus, he sounds uh, like, like he's he sounds like a little kid who's talking through like the sniffles. He's like, yeah. I did it. I did not know what I was in for. Like. <laughs> It's good. It's scary. It it, take, it reduces. I will to like be a, a test of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's terrifying though because you can tell he's fucking yeah. horrified. Versus with like Buffalo Bill's victims, I mean they're horrified, but it's 
it's like always a a palpable terror. It's always like a a frantic terror. Like they're always like Screaming very to get out. high energy. Yeah. Yeah. See, seeing someone who's sort of like like as soon as he knows that he's in the presence of the killer, he's like, oh shit! Like my time's up, right? Yeah. Like, well. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck do I do that maybe he doesn't like end my shit? It's really funny uh, that he's blindfolded mm-hmm. and he like you know presumably doesn't 100% know what's going on and then he takes the blindfold off mm-hmm. and he, he opens his eyes and he sees again this guy with fucking pantyhose tied over the top half of his head and he's like oh yeah, yeah. this is a serial killer <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like no no like yeah not me you know although honestly what do you expect like as a he, he's like a vulture as a journalist as far as journalists go um, oh yeah totally running that story you, you gotta like have some form of understanding that like oh hey like this killer is going to hate me and i can't believe like <laughs> none of the cops like like they didn't put a single beat cop on this guy they had to have everyone down at like fucking like columbus avenue to uh, harass this one like poor jogger, jogger at night. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all right guys we yeah. need the whole force out here, right? Like, one or two cop cars could have been patrolling the city. Yeah. Checking in on parking garages. You know. I, I will say that Tooth Fairy seemed, like, really old. He was supposed to be 35 or 34. That's not a 34-year-old man, right? Like, city miles. crazy? City miles. He lived out <laughs> in the country. <laughs> he had Mars miles. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> All right, no, nah, you're right, you're right. My bad, my bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was, uh, he was, Tom Noon and the actor was 35 when he shot this, so guys just looked older back then. I think they also, they, like, shaved his hairline back eight inches, like. Okay, all right, fair. I think a lot of it was the hairline, yeah. When they were looking for, For like, a landing pad for the helicopter they were taking, they scouted in on his head, his forehead. (laughs) Um, They were like, this is the biggest spot we got. Yeah, they, they rough him up a bit. He's also yeah, supposed to be 6'7", which I don't know about that. I mean, that, he looks fucking horrifyingly huge. Like, he's a big-ass man. But, yeah, he, they're, they're stretching they the truth him in a, a bit. Yeah, they, they could put him in cowboy boots like uh, Ron DeSantis. He's 6'7". Shut up. God. Yeah. <laughs> I want these episodes to be timeless. Yeah. You can't be making Ron DeSantis <laughs> cowboy boots jokes. Nah, true facts. Not done. I want to talk a little bit about the style of this movie, uh, specifically the okay. the two things that jump out to me about this are symmetry and color. You know, this movie is very symmetrical uh, in a lot of scenes, and it's funny watching them. Having just watched Grand Budapest not too long ago, it's funny seeing symmetry yeah. mean menace, whereas in that movie it's, like, comforting and dollhousey and, like, whimsy, and then... Right, <laughs> this movie right. it's like isn't it fucking horrifying that everything is balanced symmetrically on the screen yeah even even seeing him like burst through the mars wallpaper when he's gunning oh, down cops like he's so it's scary. right down the center yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's like he's like he's he's the center of attention at all times during that scene uh, yeah which is like really cool um, yeah yeah well yeah because terrifying uh, but really cool yeah because earlier in the movie the one cop gives him the special bullets and he's like yeah, this will take him down in one shot, guaranteed. And then it takes him, like, the full chamber. <laughs> like, here the full... Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like, all of them. He had one left laid. He chose not to yeah. shoot him when he was on the ground. Yeah, he that's, probably... That's a testament to Will Graham's character right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, not all cops. Um, but between wow. the... Sim- <laughs> between the symmetry um, and then the color, like, 
Again, mm. this movie got a lot of shit when it first came out because of the color being so over the top. But I think it just, it's so good at establishing the psychology of the characters and where they're going. And like the, the barreling, kind of spiraling downfall that Graham is having psychologically while he's hunting for Dollar Hide. Like he starts out, everything is like blue and like romantic. And blue is a weird choice for romance, but it's cool. It's like collected. It's, you know... It's fragile. You know, blue is like sex and safety. <clears throat> and you see that like in the beginning, obviously, and then the scenes that he has with his wife. And even some of the scenes with Dollar Hyde and Reba, some of their scenes are blue. Like they have this like blue sheen over them because they're like, it's like connection. It's the first time that he's, you know, feeling this human connection. But then green, this like yeah. disgusting, sickly, fucking nasty green. Um mm is so treacherous and like dangerous and the unknown and like the sick psychology of, of that character. Um, you see it when Graham is like running outside of Lecter's cell the first time that he meets him. When you first see the tooth fairy, like he's, he's got the green, you know, kind of like hue obviously in like his house and his kitchen is very green. Um, mm. It's, it's really, yeah, it's like creepy. I'll, I'll say the, the one point where we see like a, a highlight or like a spotlight almost is uh, or at least the, the the scenes that like stood out to me are whenever uh, the tooth fairy is like decided on a victim or is like outlining his victims, they're always highlighted, right? Or like spotlighted, I guess. Um, and part of that is like from the the picture taking angle, but we see that that happens within his psyche when he's looking at the one coworker um, dropping off Reba. And like stopping her at the door, oh. sort of like brushing something out of yeah. her hair or something. It the, like, spotlights the, like, them, and yeah. he sees it through like like rose tinted eyes almost, right? Where like to him it looks like a tender moment, and since he's he's viewing it through that like voyeuristic sort of like complex, he's like, oh, like that's and and he also like it's it's a voyeuristic, but it's like a god complex, right? Where he's like, oh, like that's mine, like you yeah. can't do that. Like you, you can't touch her. You can't like, I don't know, whatever. Like you can't, you can't have a connection with her at all. Yeah. Um, and, and and he like that's his, that's his like, crime of passion, and that's why he gets caught is because he's engaging. Well, maybe not why he gets caught, but it's, it it definitely it leads, leads to, to downfall, right? Yeah, he would be yeah. more prepared <laughs> if he hadn't actively yeah. Uh, yeah kidnapped her. Yeah, they, it's it's so funny. He sees. You know, he's seeing this big romantic kiss or, like, embrace that isn't actually real. And then he mm -hmm. uses his fucking, like... Have you ever seen, like, a whale skeleton? <laughs> I, you know, I can't say that I have. Google whale hands right now. Or, like, Google, like, whale bone hands. I don't know. Or fins. What are those called? You know how, like, like they have hands. Like, fins are hands. And they're, like, these long, spindly, like weirdly shaped and weirdly curved but they're bones just like you would see in your hand i sound like i'm on oh, joe rogan oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i'm yeah, on yeah, joe yeah, yeah, right yeah. now I'm i know like, what you're getting at now it's blunt yep. like <laughs> have you ever seen a whale's hands but like that when he's tearing the dashboard up and he like those fins man under that <laughs> under that blubber and stuff it's hands i can't I'm telling I can't do, you the shit goes deeper i can't do i can't do joe Rowe. i can only do alex jones i can't 
I can't do the Joe. That's not even Joe, bro. That's just like your fucking (laughs) high school buddy who's high as fuck. Your Joe Rowe guest appearance. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We should have him on. He's like, that's crazy, man. You ever see apes? (laughs) Chimpanzee will tear your face right off. Jamie, pull up that video. You guys ever see that moose getting hit by a car? Jamie, pull up that video. All right, all right, all right. But no, he... He extends his hands and he like puts them over the the dashboard and like rips his car yeah. apart. And the like yep. you just see him from like you can see his hand and then you see him from the the window as he's like watching you're watching that him watch them and his face is like this sickly nasty green color and I'm really hung up on the green because outside of my apartment the uh like nearby <laughs> university just put up a new neon sign and it's the exact fucking color green. <laughs> Oh, God. And it's like this You're living huge... in a Simpsons episode. I am. And it's, it's, this... I like woke up one morning and I was like, oh, I'm in the Great Gatsby with that big fucking like oh. poster or like billboard <laughs> of the yeah, optometrist. You're in, you're in the Seinfeld episode where Kramer is living across from the chicken spot and it just Something. makes his whole house red. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, that's what it feels like. I'm looking What's at that my red window. light there. I don't even notice it anymore. I'm looking out the window right now and it's like, it's an ugly ass logo for the local university. And it's just like this huge, it's the only like bright light other than the street lights. And so it's just like illuminating in the middle of the dark and it's so gross. And it really reminds me of this movie because yeah, the, the like, yeah, him tearing up this dashboard. And then when he breaks into her house, it's all green in there too. It's like, he's like this dark toxic cloud of, of yeah, like self doubt and yeah, possessiveness it's really gross yeah. and it's it's sad too you really like when he is in the the uh house with her it's so scary you're so afraid for her it is truly like yeah, a rival yeah. to when jodie foster is down in the basement in silence of the lambs it's it's just as scary if not scarier because you know how vulnerable she is and how unhinged this guy is so and especially the emotion, like, he has, like, very little emotion on his face. Like, he's always sort of, like, stony with her. Um, yeah. In these, in these sort of, like, intimate times where it's like, okay, like, you'd expect something, anything, right? And he gives nothing. He is, he's literally a brick wall. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it's really, horrifying. Yeah. And she's like, I, what in the first scene that we see them together, where she's like, can I touch your face? I want to know whether you're smiling. Ooh, and he's like, trust me, I'm smiling. Ooh, it's so yeah. scary. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it's like to talk to people um, on the internet. You're like... <laughs> facts. That's what, that's what this podcast is like, because we can't see each other's faces. Yeah, tr- trust me, I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we haven't talked about Graham enough, but... We can touch on him a bit, I guess. I do think... I think he sells the talking to himself pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll say, I mean, all of my comments on him can kind of be summed up with the fact that he reminds me a lot of the character he plays in CSI, Gil Grisham. And I mean, to a, to like the nth degree, right? Where he's really in these guys' heads. Um, he's really doing that sort of like criminal psychology breakdown. Uh, yeah. And I love, I love that aspect. Like, it's it's almost like MacGyver for like inside the mind of a killer and that's like that's peak keynote to me right um, <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't get better than that how do you feel about true crime um at risk of making this a half hour longer podcast than normal 
No, no. You you, you mean like true crime, crime podcasts or like podcasts or or like down. or like forensic files or you know things like that or like yeah, yeah podcasts. A lot of times that stuff does make me kind of uncomfortable just because it's like knowing that it was like a real person, um, sort of the the clinical way that they talk about it and the. Now, on the flip side, the way that some of those, some people, like, within that sphere get really sort of, like, a little too into it, I guess. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it, it's it got weird, bad vibes a lot of times, um, so I, I never got really too into it. There, there, there were, like, some that I would watch, and, uh, like, I, I, I do enjoy, maybe not enjoy, but I, I find really interesting some interviews with uh like convicted felons or like convicted murderers especially with like a skilled interrogator because some some of the guys in there they're just like ah like why'd you do it why'd you do it you know um and and some guys are really sort of like they they slowly poke and prod like methodically a lot like Hannibal Lecter does right but to different ends that's interesting to me to hear them sort of like break down their thought processes I mean even just like the why behind it all because a lot of times it turns out it's just just like a spur of the moment thing it's almost like they're like well you know like i just felt like it like like why do i really need an excuse Uh, definitely different from like a theatrical presentation of a lot of these ideas because i mean like within procedurals or within like these sorts of movies um like any sort of crime-based movie they they have very like thematic heavy reasoning behind it right like the transformation like the becoming something greater than and i'm not saying that these guys don't have that but a lot of times during interviews after they've been caught they're sort of like quote-unquote defeated and you're you're looking into the mind of like a killer who's been like subjugated tamed almost like it's a caged tiger and it's it's definitely it's different from like seeing them like out in the wild i guess and so i i definitely like not to use like the the tiger analogy even further but i i like don't ruin this I for like me seeing them i'm sorry <laughs> i like seeing them out in the wild and i like to see them like hunted i like to see them hunting and being hunted right i like seeing the man hunter go after them right like that's interesting to me so i guess it's just i the artificiality of it and like the propaganda aspect of that kind of thing i mean obviously mm-hmm. we've both talked about it's problematic, like the the, the uncomfortableness <laughs> of it being real people and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that true crime has been really bad for women because I I understand what you're saying. Like everybody loves a mystery mm. and like a, a understanding mm. the psychology of why things work is just another interesting way of understanding and unraveling a mystery. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like people it's led to too much pathologizing and fear sure. in general. I, yeah. yeah, and it's just it's it's also gross. Yeah, yeah. It's, I I like there to be like one step of removal. I, I kind of like not need it to be, but like it's just sad hearing about like the things that happen to like a real person. Like yeah, like, all right. yeah. Like with with the, like these at least. Like I can enjoy it because like no one was harmed in the making of this film, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't say that explicitly, but that's the the right. implicit trust when you're going into it. Like like this yeah. isn't a real story. These people are all made up. Like, yes, there are bad people in the world who do bad things, but, like, you are not seeing the story of one of them. 
this is just in general like a, yeah a, a fictional yeah 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 it's a generalization of that yeah 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 no i, I get it characters. there's yeah it's yeah. like i like i kind of said at the beginning it's so fun and like cathartic to watch vectors for good and evil duke it out and see good come out on top mm-hmm. in this way so you're never going to mm-hmm. get rid of that but just the taking away the that layer of removal in having it be fictional, even though there is still artifice mm-hmm. in actual true crime, where it's based on real people and stuff, there's still artifice in that. There's still narrative. You're still telling a story with people right. who are actual people and not characters. That just, I, I think right. too many people have latched onto that. And like, we are in a these unprecedented times of mass psychosis and like terrible mental health. So I can't necessarily blame people yeah. for it, but it's so... Yeah, I just see what it does to women, and it, it's it's so awful. Yeah, I I think a lot of programming lends itself towards fear because, like, especially now oh, totally. when we are yeah. in such like a, I mean, I'll, I'll use the term high trust society. I I don't think that America is particularly high trust compared to other developed nations. No, um, and I I think that sort of like feeds into the fear, like propaganda, fear narrative. It's very easy to sell fear to people who want it, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, that's why you see so many people, so many right-wing politicians mm-hmm. capitalizing on perceived criminal, you know, rise of crimes and things like that. Like the law and order, right. blah, blah. Right. Like, And all of that's bullshit. Like, we're living in a safer time, violent crime-wise, than we ever have. Um, but, of course, right. it's... It's very easy to be like, and they're coming to rape your women and like whatever, whatever, you know, right. they're coming to, you know, be a serial killer in your they house. They for everything, yeah. though. Even, yeah. even to the violence of like, they're coming to take your job. It's economic violence, right? And yeah. It's, uh, or like, even down to like social violence, right? Where they, they're like, they're oh, They're indoctrinating um, your kids. Yeah, yeah. They're indoctrinating. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like literally exactly that, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, oh, like they they want to be like in the bathroom with your kid, and it's like, all right, like yeah. pause, dude. Like, well, this is this is what upsets me so much about. All right, now we're gonna. No. This is what makes me mad about true crime and women. And the reason I bring this up is because I think there's been a lot of very interesting movies this year that have talked about true crime, um, and specifically mm-hmm. have indicted true crime. Just no, I think that we're on a cultural reckoning or a path to it, which is great. But um, yeah, just the the way that. I've seen on social media, which I try not to use much anymore, but the number of times I see posts from girls like hyping up ways to protect yourself from violence that are just either at best ineffective and unnecessary and at worst like going to make you hurt yourself or be more crazy and paranoid. That, I mean, that too is, it's fucked up because like that's another, like it's not... It's not the direct aim of whatever our shitty patriarchal society to like breed Induce unfounded fear. Within, yeah, 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 like breed un, like it's breeding founded fear, but then women are also hyping themselves up because of this kind of true crime stuff into having unfounded fears as well. And that's not to say that right. like violent crime, random violent crime or trafficking or whatever doesn't happen to women, but it's so that you know the stats are there. If you're gonna die at the hands of somebody else, it's probably gonna be your partner or somebody in your family. Right. And so, instead, I see these things that are like, make sure you look in the back seat of your car, but make sure you approach from the driver's side first. It's like, 
fuck off. Yeah. Or like, yeah, make sure that you're when you're at a gas station that you, um, you know, uh, are checking every car every time to make sure that that's, you're not seeing the same car in case you're being stalked. Like, I see this advice. And then, you know, people in the comments are like, so true, bestie. Like, it's like, God, we're in the worst timeline. So I understand the, I can understand at least people who want to watch things where, or like, yeah, listen to podcasts and things where there's a solved something. Because there is catharsis in that, just like watching a movie like this. But the ones that are like unsolved or, you know, kind of really focusing in more on the lurid details than the cathartic nature of it um it's it's crazy and so i really hope that as we maybe i mean the next year is gonna be really tough politically obviously um but i'm hoping that sometime soon we can kind of come out of a this mass fear induced like psychosis that we're all in especially culturally especially like posts about trafficking so anytime i see a post (sighs) about trafficking it's the most just inane like oh i saw a like candy bar wrapper in the handle yeah. of my door of my car and it's like all right well like that doesn't mean anything somebody was walking by your car and they they littered they instead of just dropping yeah. it on the ground they put it into your car handle like all right like sorry okay don't know what to do yeah tell you. you're not like, being oh, trafficked marked. like i was called yeah. out yeah and it's like that doesn't happen right like yeah. in america that does not happen yeah. I, I hate to say it it just it just doesn't like no no yeah if you're a That's foreigner how... on vacation yeah like yeah that, that shit does happen elsewhere but like that is not a problem in america we have many problems let's not invent more right yeah everyone has seen taken like and thinks that that's what happens right like everyone wants to be in fucking liam neeson's you know like movie like it's it's crazy yeah like they the women who are being trafficked the type of trafficking that does happen in this country is not happening to rich undergrads or yeah yeah of like Scranton, yeah. right? Like it, that's yeah. just. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, that, yeah, it's not like a prime grounds for that. I guess right. it's not a prime hunting ground. Yeah, just that. Yeah. If you're gonna get trafficked in this country, you're gonna be probably underaged and probably a very poor, uh, either a sex worker. Or like the, you're, you're not like yeah, or like, like an said, undocumented person. Yeah, like, you, yeah, yeah. It, it's your going job. to be a crime that yeah, right. It's going to be something that it's like easy for them to get away with, and they yeah. Tra- traffickers specifically sex traffickers know that like yeah absolutely they they have a demographic that they're like preying upon well yeah it's, and it's and there most... but the people posting about it are not it. yeah right yeah the mo- most human trafficking in this country is work migrant workers like it's not like yeah sex trafficking yeah. it's like undocumented like you, you hit the nail on the head but that's not lurid and sexy in the way and you can't like make a podcast out of that in the same way so it's right Fucked up. Anyway, okay, rant over. This movie is cathartic. Really good movie, Manhunter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent um, catharsis. <laughs> the the slow build of the score. I mean, the score of this movie is incredible. Um, it's so it, it alternates between like sensual and creepy, very very well. Um, I yeah the the slow build when he Will Graham is sitting and talking to Dennis Farina to his uh, to the the boss the detective. Um, and realizes he's kind of talking himself into understanding that Dollar Hyde has seen those home videos. That score, like crescendoing when the yeah. detective's on the phone, like peel back the label. Like it's so, like you're like pumping your fist in the air. You're like, yes, you got him. You're going to get him. Um, it's it's really effective. Yeah. It, I mean, even the way that he, the way that he gets into character and not like, not like gets into character as a detective, but like the way that the the character himself 
gets into the mind of a killer. Yeah, and he it's like scary. he talks it out, and then he goes, "You son of a bitch! That's what you did, didn't you?" Like, yeah, oh, so yeah. cool. That shit's great. Yeah, the scene at the end, like we've mentioned, when he like jumps through the glass, which like maybe the most stupid move I've ever seen a protagonist in a movie do. <laughs> like, just let's run face first into the glass and just immediately get caught out of the air. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. that's the one Hell part. yeah, though. Yeah. So, but, okay, so that also lends itself to the, the importance that the Tooth Fairy places upon sight, right? Because he immediately shoots out the lights instead of yes. going for the detective that just bursts through the window. Yeah, because I noticed that, too. Him, the sight is the most important part. He's like, if these people can't see me, it will yeah. all be okay. I will still be the one in control. Yeah, totally. Just really enjoyed that. Um, it like really drives home like what this guy values more than anything. Yeah. The sounds of his shotgun, like going off through the house, is is so scary. Yeah. Like the it's so like yeah, it's just so loud and like reverberating in your brain. Um, as he's shooting it and it's uh, yeah and then of course everybody else shooting at him and him just like clearing out these cops like it's really intense those were just rank and file those were normal cops yeah that's true coppers coming in at first and then you get to watch him uh and then like he he, like goes back into the kitchen to like finish off the uh the investigator he's like all right well graham i've had enough of your shit he doesn't even know it's graham right like at that point he's like no this is just some crazy fucking cop and he, he's like, he's going back in. Oh, man. And then he gets dropped. Sick. So sick. Ugh. Yeah. I'm a film bro. This movie's made me a film bro. <laughs> it's a cool scene. And I, I, I love Inagata De Vita, the song that's playing in the background. But I can't, mm-hmm. I can't listen to it because I think of this movie. I like, I, it's, it's a really cool song. And it's like a great one to listen to when you're like, mm-hmm. Which when you're dropping movie. cops. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, the way it's deployed here is so scary. Because again, it's like, all right, come into the ooze with me, bro. Like, let me... <laughs> come come be, like, uh, primal and horrified. Yeah, it's, it's so scary. And in the dark. Yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. nasty. Like, there's a ton of rising action. That's, like, the, the perfect, like, conflict. I love, I love movies that are, like, just, like all rising action to like one big conflict and then like like the following action is just like yep and everyone went home and you know what like yeah i have the main character say that pretty much everyone was okay you should watch more old movies because you would love like some like you watch some movies from like the 40s and 30s and it's like the climax will happen and then the credits will roll immediately like there's just it's yes let's go it's good stuff also, did you um, buy a like a book on like filmmaking or storytelling techniques right before we did this podcast? Because I feel like you're really addicted to like, <laughs> no. you're like, I, I love the three act structure of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's no, really about I man am. versus God. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I will say, and this, this ties into last week. So last week, you, uh, you made an offhand comment about uh, <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. like really, it was it was like a Neon Genesis Evangelion. I mean, uh, so it's funny you did that because I I had been rewatching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, uh, and F Map of Fassigned Male at Birth. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Fassigned. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one of my 
one of my like favorite things about that show is the fact that it's like all rising action like up until like so it's it's 64 episodes right um like 20 hours long and Jesus. 18 hours like there, there's a lot of like smaller like rising action conflicts or like conflicts climaxes uh, depending upon like what's actually occurring right and then like sort of like small falling actions and it's like it's a constant upward slope though and i feel not to i'm really derailing this but like i'll be short the (laughs) the thing that i don't like about a lot of anime is how it like spirals out of control into like like essentially gods fighting each other right because like the way that the power scaling works it just sort of goes into infinity and they do a good job of sort of keeping that maybe not in check but like uh like giving you you time to like have like plausible deniability or like where you're like oh okay like i i i guess that's not too big of a leap seeing like like this get introduced and it's like okay like that's not too big of a leap and you do that so many times so incrementally up until the like 63rd episode where you're like wait, holy fuck, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and, like, the climax there is just fucking perfect. And the last episode is just, like, it's just resolutions. It's just, like, everything that, like, you want out of the series. It's just, like, yep, this has all been resolved. Um, and it's it's perfect for that. And that's, like, usually the way that I try to sell it to people is that I'm, like, yeah, like, you get in and it's just, like, all rising action. Like, it is, it's a slow burn where you're just, like, you're, there's a ton of action going on and it's it's a shonen so it's it's like it's it's meant to be like an action show for like teens i mean and like i love that shit uh but the the just the way that it's paced so that like like once you get to that climax you get like four or so episodes like four to six episodes of just like like shit is happening shit's going down boom 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 um that's the end of the story hope you had a good time it's like all right like shit sick let's go man um which i don't know i uh i really appreciate from any any media where uh i can i can get to feel that sort of like that slow burn up to like one big climax and then yep bon voyage hope you enjoyed by the way everyone's everyone's good they're chilling hope you had fun like it's cool i don't know yeah the well yeah the the end where Okay, there's like three kind of back-to-back little bits right after the two fairies mm-hmm. dead. He like goes mm-hmm. to Reba and he's she's like, yep. "Who are you?" and he's like, "Okay, I'm Will Graham." Like, it's cool. Graham. I'm not Will I am Graham. not Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely not uh consumed with the psychology of these murders that I've been studying for the last year. Um Right. <laughs> which he's totally broken. That man will never come back, but Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Hor- horrifyingly broken inside. But, like, he still has that empathy, right? Like, he's still he's still human there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then this... Did you watch this on Internet Archive? Yeah. There's a scene that isn't in that, because I noticed it when I, I also watched it at Internet Archive. Um, there's mm-hmm. a scene where he visits the uh, the other family that was supposed to... Like, the next family, and he just kind of, like... Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, I only saw two ending bits, right? Where, yeah. Where he sort of consoles Reba, and then it's like him on the beach with his wife and kid. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, pretty much everyone made it out alive. 
uh, I, I guess that's the best we could hope for. And then it's just like them walking in the sand while the the ocean rolls up, and it's like, yeah, hell yeah, bro, you you enjoy your life from now on. You know, you've had it, you've had it tough. Just take it easy. Let me make sure I'm not crazy. You're really retired now. Yeah, he visits Imagine their someone, next. Like, sidling up to your home and being like, hey, by the way, you were next on the Tooth Fairies list. Like, you were well, yeah, this he, close he to death, and I saved you. you he doesn't say all place. that. He just says he kind of goes up to their house and he's like. He like introduces himself and he he's like I just want to make sure everything's all right. I just wanted to stop by and see you. Um, so he he just like okay. he's kind of like wrapping things up and then that's a good mm. scene, but it's not for whatever reason in this uh, edit that we watched. And then of course the end where he's like most of the turtles made it. It's like oh he's yeah. still thinking about the fact that some of them died. Like of course he's gonna live with that forever. Um, but most yeah. of them made it, so he but, triumphed. It's it's yeah. just it's very wrenching yeah, yeah. and like fitting. Well, in the middle of the story, he was like, he was like, you you know, you showed me those first two families. And I would think of the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's like, they made it. They made it. And yeah. I, like, I also took that to mean that a lot of the cops made it too. Um, yeah. That like, they were wearing like bulletproof vests or whatever. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Kevlar, second chance. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this movie? Nope. I, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I... And I, I think it sort of opened my eyes to the fact that, like, yeah, I do like sort of psychological thrillers, sort of crime drama-esque, um, which I knew because, like, I mean, I, I did sort of grow up on them, but I didn't, like, I've never seen movies about them, really. Uh, I've just watched TV shows, which are very different. It's much cooler in this format. What about you? I love this fucking movie. Um, I have, yeah. I feel like I almost have nothing interesting to say because I've, I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. Um... Hell I'm just yeah. looking over looking over my notes. Yeah. <laughs> just like all caps. This movie yeah. fucking rocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know. Basically, yeah. Uh the tiger scene's hot. I won't be silenced. Um I also like that they don't one one other thing here, even though it is very procedural, I do like that they don't explicitly detail in this movie. Like and so because he like he says like he was probably a bit abused as a kid, but they're not like because one time he saw his mom like looking in the mirror when her his dad strangled her or something like, and now he has to see things right. like it doesn't get that like serious uh, or, or direct, right. which, which is I what enjoy. they would do in like a, a true crime, yeah, like, to try to like yeah connect the uh, dots, yeah, yeah, connect and instead, the dots, make it sort of more fantastical, yeah, yeah. So they they are able to evoke this character's psychology using. All of the indirect methods instead of explicitly explaining it all, which is great. Yeah, so. they're not too heavy-handed. Huh. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. Uh, I would say this—I wouldn't say this is a comfort movie for me, but yeah, I, I there are definitely scenes from this. I watch the forensic scene from time to time. This is definitely just on Lane's YouTube list of <laughs> movie scenes to watch sometimes when I'm bored. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> or I have the urge. I'll say since this movie, like this movie, isn't too explicitly gory. It is in a few scenes, but it's not like yeah. it's you're not reserved. watching people get murdered. Yeah, which I I enjoy. I don't I don't like the sort of like maybe not for show, but like really bloody over the top. Like yeah, uh, the boys. You know. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So so like I'm fine with having that be like very implicit and like occasionally the aftermath is shown. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you do see someone, like, commit violence on screen, it's it's much it's more impactful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so, like, instead of making the the murder and the attempted murder at the end, like, just one among many pieces of violence, like, those are, like, the violence of the film. And, like, yeah. even when you see, like, the cops set up their sting, like, it's jarring how much energy and how much emotion is, is in there. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, yeah, they they play really they play around with that really well. Good ass movie. Uh, um, so, yeah, it's a Rick pick. Yeah, I was going to say I do have a Rick pick set up. Hell yeah, let's go because we got to wrap it. Remember when I was like, it's going to be a tight ten, and now we're going on now. Yeah, 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 it, it, yeah. It's a tight ten. It's Christopher's tight 10. sending um, me a dear John letter, like please go home. <laughs> the kids miss you. When will Lane return from war? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's Rick's pick? So. Rick's Pick is a 1991 sci-fi action uh, oh anime film. Okay. Uh, it's called Rojin Z. So okay. I have not seen this movie. Oh. I, I just, like, I saw it on, like, uh, like an Instagram reel or, like, a TikTok or something like that. Oh, where, embarrassing. Okay. A, a bit embarrassing, but um, it was... It was described as a... Dy- <laughs> like, it's set in a dystopian future um, where... It's like it's very capitalistic, and um, they like they're not like sort of preying upon the elderly, but essentially the only people that like have resources or like money still are the elderly people, right? Uh, because like they've hoarded the wealth, um, like so everyone else in society is sort of like in supporting roles where they're trying to like do end of life care and that sort of stuff, and robotics and technology uh, take up huge turn towards that where they they start creating these machines which are uh basically they they try to fulfill every whim of the elderly people that are placed within them um Mm -hmm. and it i mean it it seems interesting at the very least uh it it looks like there's some cool action in it um the animation style from the clips that i saw looks a hell of a lot like akira uh, yeah, that's just sort of due to the animation techniques of the time, right? Yeah. Uh, and well, I'm, we I mean, can sort even of dive just into like... that more next week. Okay, but... yeah, I was going to say just the, like, tech and flesh I'm just seeing from this, like, these still yeah. images. Yeah, so this that was very popular. Like, that was a... Really? That was a very popular sort of... Yeah, yeah, like, Akira, I don't think, was necessarily groundbreaking Mm -hmm. they had a few sort of groundbreaking techniques in the animation that they use Um, all right all right save it for save for next week we gotta save for next week yeah yeah i'll I'll say the theming was like very sort of on point for the time and the reason that it's like lasted the test of time is because it's the epitome i guess of like of that era right i i think this will be a good movie uh for like our first sort of animated film to watch sure um, and it was i was looking for a rick's pick i wasn't like necessarily looking for one but i was like thinking about one and this one just sort of uh i mean it okay. stood out to me it looked really cool so. yeah i'm into it okay satoshi Kon is actually like the art director on this movie too so there's a few different i'm, I'm not this is not totally inaccessible to me i guess <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i'm excited it'll be it'll as we talked about i don't know a lot of anime beyond kind of the very very most famous stuff so um this will be mm-hmm. interesting and it's free on youtube it's only 80 minutes these are all things i like yeah so cool I, I will say looking it up the the manga artist who 
uh, like wrote this and who is a screenwriter for the film uh, is the same one for Akira. So, oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, some, probably some similar uh, themes. Uh, obviously. Yeah, they they were within three years of each other. Um, Damn. They came out okay. like very close in time. Um, and this one, I guess you could almost see this as a follow-up to Akira, because this one came out yeah. afterwards. Interesting. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm excited. Yeah, this will yeah, be fun. It'll be a good watch. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, next week, it seems like we want to watch Rojan X. Oh, it's Rojan Z. You want to give that another try? Rojan Z. Fuck. All right. Uh, next week, we want to watch Rojan Z. I, uh... And, and you can cut this, but I did have problems trying to find this movie because I was looking up Rojan X and, like, Rorin X. And I was, like, just, like, Rorin. Like, I was, I was trying just, like, different, uh, like, small changes. And I finally landed on it. Which That's is really funny. Woof. Oh, it's so silly. I can't believe I couldn't get to it. Yeah, big oof. Well, sweet. I'm sure I'll take, uh, yeah. I'll take one of the various songs that you use throughout this episode. Unless you have another one off the dome. Nope. Uh, I think I'm gonna end my recording here. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't. I don't have a song off the dome. Sorry. It's too bad. All right. Uh, bye. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, what you want? What you want? What you gonna do?